Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I am William Johnson, Mr. J, for those graduating students who may have found my podcast Uh-oh. now that they are no longer part of the school. So <laughs> for all you, you don't have kids like out there... Pre-made- you don't have like pre-made business cards for the show that you hand out with graduation cards. Like, Hey, here I am. Cussing no, but, but it was just like, you know, it was just easier ways to, to drop it into conversation now that they're not students right. anymore. I was just like, Oh, Hey, uh, it's almost like I'm going to have a cinephile hissy fit. Am I right? You know, like it's just kind of, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. it kind of broke down. So, uh, yeah. So if there's any students out there, if this is your first show, sorry mm. that you have to hear my voice again, but here you go. But yes, I'm Mr. J. William. All Jones. right. So fans, followers, newbies, and of course, alumni, we're damn glad to have you here listening to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, especially Mr. J. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. And it's been recommended by our returning guest, Katie Glidewell, Chicago-based critic of The Blonde in Front. Katie Glidewell, say hi to the folks. Hi, folks. <laughs> Last time we had you on the show, I mean, you were on an epic show. I mean, your first show with yeah. us was like a three-and-a-half-hour uh, Oscar show. So this is going to be a little bit... I mean, who knows? This could be in the Oscar conversation later this year. But, um, yeah, you were... You did your first tour of duty was uh, quite quite the long one. <laughs> yes, my Ben Hur of cinema, cinephile hissivits was um, the Oscar. I would definitely say. I mean, we'll get into it, but if you're asking me, yeah, I definitely think everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to be uh, in Oscar contention for a number of categories. And I said mm-hmm. that, you know, after the first time um, I watched it. So yeah. I plan. I look forward to hopefully if I'm invited to the Oscar talk again, maybe it'll be four hours. Who knows? It'll be, it's still less than the Oscar show. So, and we've got that going. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely love to talk about this again. <laughs> well, I think there's a guarantee that she's coming back annually for our Oscar show. Well, right? I mean, I've been in discussions to have her replace you. Oh, that's show. exactly true. That's I mean, you know, it's been in the shadows. I didn't want to bring that out in public just yet, but I mean, that right. was kind of the move we were making. We we're going to trade you for a couple draft picks. I can take that. Um, I can take that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we're, we're going to trade you to feel in film. We're going to trade you to feel in film. Oh, and you know, I get Katie. Yeah, addition by subtraction. Good call. Good call, Katie. By the way, how did you do on your Oscar pulls this past year? You are, you know, notorious and you know, famous at least in our circles for being super good at the Oscars. How'd you do this past year? So it is written. It is in, you know, the social medias, um, out of everything that I picked, which there are two. And I still count this cause there's two. It's like, Ooh, I think it's going to be this, but mm-hmm. I, it's probably going to be this out of that with the maybes. There's honestly only two that I completely missed. Ooh, I right. missed um, one of these screenplay. Oh, and what was it that? And oh, Coda, Coda. Because um, yeah. I picked, um, I think I picked Coda the win, or I picked Power of the Dog. But I think I said it. I but I, I think I picked. Coda, I picked uh, Power of the Dog, but I said, but it's probably going to be Coda. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I count that as a win. But the two okay. that I missed were the screenplay and uh, one of the other. Coda won three. Yeah. It, it won. I got the best supporting actor. Oh, probably director with Branning. Well, no, I got that. I got Campion. Okay, um, right, right, right. Oh, that's right. I'm but then I feel with, like yeah. it was not was it nominated for four? So I missed the screenplay that it won. I think it won screenplay and something else. Other than that, okay. I okay. got all of them. I don't. Well, agree. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay, because you said you think it's a win uh -huh. for the Coda Best Picture thing, but there was only one Brave Soul, and I'm pulling a little Jeffrey Wang here, but there was only one Brave Soul on that podcast who said Coda was going to win Best Picture, and that was this is me. true. Check the tape. That me. So that's a that's a real win. Your your W. Your dub. Your dub is an artificial dub. I got the yeah. real win. It's <laughs> a it's a half. Yeah, it is because I mean I put two in there when I put who I thought was going to win for the things. Cause like, and I do that sometimes it's like who I think's going to win and um, mm -hmm. who or who yeah, I want to win and who I think is going to win. Um, but yeah, Coda was in one of the two. And then, I mean, some of the ones, you know, that I honestly, I didn't want me to be right for some of them, which <laughs> that was slap heard around the world. And that was a mm -hmm. category that I didn't want. We won't get into that, but um, yeah. So basically, um, it was two. I missed two of all of the things that I um, predicted. No, yeah, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. But yeah, I mean, who would have thought, too, with that? I mean, we talked about Will Smith a lot on that episode, and uh, mm -hmm. he ended up, for better or worse, becoming a um, uh, quite the... <laughs> quite the topic of conversation yeah, the, the star of the show if we have to call uh, it like that yeah yeah i've i've, I've felt um and we'll, we'll probably talk about some other show but i just since we're talking about the oscars for a moment um mm -hmm. i've always i've kind of felt uh, I, I might be one of the only people in the world that actually kind of and this is going to sound weird but kind of likes will smith more now and i don't mean that from like <laughs> You've got I two. I got I you don't, back. I don't mean that from a perspective of like, you know, the slap itself was not the way to go. But uh, at being a fellow emotional person, like, and I've, I've literally talked to my therapist about this, but, you know, that moment where you're saying, keep your wife's name out of my mouth. I mean, I've been there. Like, I've mm -hmm. been in those situations where you, you get taken over by something, you know? And then... Then when he goes up to get the award and he's just overwhelmed, like, and you're just crying and you're like, you know, I, I've been there. Like, I, to me, it, I, I right. felt more connection to him. And I've actually almost loved him more now because of that. Because he has this larger-than-life figure has human flaws. You know, we tend mm -hmm. to kind of put these people... I think it was... Um, who was the guy who played um, Aaron Burr? in Hamilton. Um, he's been nominated for a couple Oscars too. His name is escaping me. Lin-Manuel? No, Lin-Manuel played Hamilton, but uh, the guy Leslie Odom Jr.? Leslie Odom Jr., yeah. He was, he was one of the first interviews I heard after the incident. And mm -hmm. he said something about, he said something that stuck with me, and he said something that's like, he said, when you see raw emotion, it's yeah. beautiful. Whether it's ugly, beautiful, or beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's still beautiful to see human emotion. And I, 
So I've I've actually I've 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 always kind of kept that a little hidden. I've never really explained this to anyone, and I don't know why I'm doing it now in May. But yeah, with your kids listening, good job. Yeah, with here. my kids listening, yeah. Uh, but no, I just uh, no, I, I just I uh, I actually just felt like you know you know, and and we get this a lot as teachers, Don. You know, sometimes they say, hey, it's good mm-hmm. for them to see you as human. Sometimes, like that's right. It's just nice to know that you know, even the most rich and powerful, you know, who think they have everything, have problems too. And I just, I, I just connected more to that. So the fact that we could get that out of the Oscars was kind of yeah. moving to me. I was like, holy shit! I actually got something other than complaining that Tony Leung wasn't nominated. You know, <laughs> so, mm. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that, Katie. I just that was kind of my. I haven't had anyone to talk to about that, and I figured since you were our Oscar guest, you know, an Oscar prognosticator, wasn't sure what your thoughts on that were, but that's kind of where I am. Well, I know when it happened, <laughs> I had I had more people text, uh, call, and message me than uh, any other time during an Oscar cast because they were like. Is this real? What's happening? Like, I would have some sort of insight on what's going on. Like, I'm, you know, I've got my man on the ground, you know, I'm like my ear on the ground at the Oscars. That's going to tell me at the Dolby studios, wherever it was. I'm like, dude, you guys, I have no idea. Honestly, I, I thank you for thinking, um, I would have that power and knowing what's going on, but I don't, but let me see if I can find out some stuff. And I mean, you know, there's people I know in Australia and whatnot, because when it first happened, I'm like, okay, this seems fake, but it's like, but I don't know, you know, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing the time of silence and whatnot. And then it's like, mm-hmm. I, you guys, this is, this is real. I think this mm-hmm. is real. I think we just, did we just see what, and it's still a shocking moment. I mean, everyone's going to have some sort of emotion uh, regarding it. Cause it's like, whether you agree with it, whether you don't, it's an act of violence that was perpetrated on a worldwide stage mm-hmm. with, I mean, and again, I was in shock. Many people were in shock. I'm still, it's not like it's traumatizing. I don't want to say it's traumatizing because, sure. you know, I will go on with my life. But it's still <laughs> a little bit like, what the hell just happened? Like, this is an award ceremony where we congratulate where we lift up all these like films that have done this for the year and that just happened so it's always i can't say i agree or disagree with it i will say this i never agree with violence in any form um shape form i don't agree that um i mean i know chris rock it's it's you know with the humor and whatnot but then when you see what happened to uh, Dave Chappelle not long mm-hmm. after that, where some guy like came onto the stage with a knife, it's one of those things like, did that? I mean, the thing that I immediately thought of is like, great, is this just some guy who's trying to pull, you know, this because he didn't agree with what he said? And it's like, I don't want to think like that. No one, right. we shouldn't think like these are comedians. This is their jobs. Like they're going to tell crappy jokes. They're going to tell jokes at people's expense and i mean it's horrible but i don't want to think that someone's going to be in the audience and then you know come up and slap them or it's going to go to the next level and then someone's going to have a gun and someone's going to do this i mean it violence should never happen 
And it, but this is this is like a roller coaster of emotions that happened that night, especially with that one individual. And now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's two what two months later. We're still talking about it. I it's mean, true. let's be honest. I mean, everyone's at some point when you talk about the Oscars, there's gonna be some mention oh, of yeah. it. Like, the, I mean, the one thing that Chris Rock, like, the, we're never gonna forget this. Yeah. Oh yeah, like Chris Rock said, it's like this just made this just made history. It's like. And he is correct because mm-hmm. and that is one of the things that um, with all of the monumental awards and winners that happened that night, it's going to be it's going it's almost going to be like a trivia joke. Like um, mm-hmm. what was um, who won who won Best Supporting Award. Actress when Will Smith slapped this, this, this. And it's like <laughs> oh. and it's like who won, you know, what was the award? Um, that Chris Rock was presenting <laughs> right before yeah. when that happened. It's, it's like, that. yeah. And I mean, you know, I feel, I feel that I think the person who um, didn't get their justice is Questlove. Like Questlove, Questlove. Gave a beautiful speech. It was a beautiful speech. And it was like, I was a little teary eyed, like what he was saying about his dad and, you know, his mom being, and it's like, and I'm like, is, are people going to remember that? Probably not because they're going to be mm-hmm. thinking like, what the hell just happened? And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I like, I understand there's emotion. And I mean, believe me, well, I understand like it is yep. like being in that situation. And uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I was, yeah, um, I can understand that. But at when, I don't know, it's just such a, a topic that's always going to have, you know, like go from one end of the, Sure. Uh, spectrum to the other and but it's good to at least talk about it and that's the thing that we you know i think we need to be doing more is to talk about it rather than shouting and hitting and doing these things that i just feel like everything's become so volatile in this country and regarding so many different things so uh yep. what do i think about it i think it's just it's always going to be something when it's yeah it's going to be uh, as someone said to me one time it's like i don't want to say an answer and it's going to be set in amber i feel like uh the will um smith slap is going to be one of those set in amber uh topics for the oscars like from here to eternity yeah i agree yeah there's no and, getting away from this one and maybe and i'll segue here a little bit there is another there universe go. where will smith did not slap <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be something and you know what maybe this this is the worst version of will smith that we're mm. living through and there's a better one out there that and we need this worst will smith to save the universe even if he does slap somebody so you know let's get I'm independence just... day three on the on the books let's go yeah he didn't you know i mean if he like if he keeps getting fired from stuff because of this i mean he might have right. to do independence day three i mean that's yeah. just the way it is but if he if he's smart with his money he can go away for 10 years and be fine so i'm sure he's yeah. totally fine but mm-hmm. um anyways yeah let's, well, let's yeah. uh we, oh, we talked about here. the Will smith snap we did it we're a little yeah, late we but we did it right Post Oscar <laughs> show. put on the tag of the title yeah all right no nah, but we're here for everything everywhere all at once a surefire oscar contender for the next year and our format if you remember folks is this and if you're students who are new to the show this is what will does um the recommending (laughs) lover goes first this is going to be our guest katie glidewell Uh, she will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower her praise and state her high-minded case 
for this fine film. Uh, I will go second as a co-lover. And Will's not really a hater on this, but we'll have a third person follow with their own five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present any counterpoints or any manner of intellectual scorched earth. They feel they need to kind of just, you know, fan the, you know, put some hose in the fire a little bit that everyone has for this movie. Either way, we will open this up for 15 to 50 minutes of shared conversation where Will Smith will not come up again. Anyway, that's where the hissy fit will really get chippy. And for ladies and gentlemen who are still here, let's go. So, Katie Glidewell, opening five minutes of this fine film are all yours. So, everything, everywhere, all at once. I actually was able to see this twice before it came out in theaters. Uh, once at a pre-screening, like going in completely not knowing anything. And then at a, um, I wanted to make sure I was at the screening where the directors were actually there in Chicago to answer questions. I unfortunately did not get to get the hot dog finger hands, which anyone who has seen the film knows how coveted that would be. I did actually purchase some of the googly eyes from A24. Money well spent. I would do that again in a heartbeat. But everywhere, everything all at once to me uh, is just this chaotic, chaotic kaleidoscope of caring and costumes and characters that it just melts your heart. And I feel like with the family dynamic, it can work in any, honestly, any situation, any, um, any, cause I, this is, um, mainly a, uh, Asian, um, Asian family from China that comes to America. The daughter is born here and, um, they're dealing with, I mean, there is a little bit of, uh, racism in a little bit of the film and whatnot. And I feel like with the dynamics from the uh, different generations, I feel like that can transcend into honestly any um, culture that um, you're, you could have. Uh, I think the characters, Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Sue and Kayon Kwan who play the family, um, mother, uh, father, and daughter are just exceptionally cast. I think the entire film is well cast. And the directors, um, Dan Kwan and Daniel Schubert, who also wrote the film, did a great job. I mean, you're going from a family that's trying to um, save their business, and yet the mother, Michelle Yeoh, I don't think she's, she's not happy in any way if, she, if the business was saved or not. Um, her father's living with her, who's played by the amazing legendary James Hong, um, who's also dealing with a little bit of dementia. They're getting audited, and their auditor is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is almost unrecognizable, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when they're at the auditor, um, the <laughs> Michelle's uh, Michelle Young's uh, husband then goes into this like um, different universe to tell her that uh, they're, you know, they're that she can just, um, this isn't real. Everything that's going on, there's like different variants of her, you know, throughout the ages and throughout the time. And I feel like it's, it says so much about family. It says so much about choices that we make and don't make and to see what those choices are. If we, you know, if we change even a little bit uh, with, uh, you know, our plan and how that plan can be, which how many people would love to do that? Like, I know I like 
if I had maybe taken this class or taken the, gotten this degree rather than this, if I had gone to this city rather than this city, what my life would have been and what the changes can be. Um, but also, you know, the negative aspects of that as well. And um, you get to see this in all these different variants, in all these different, um, uh, just the cinematography, the direction, the, uh, I know I'm rambling, but it's like everything about it. It's just so, it's just this kaleidoscope of everything. And then you have Stephanie Sue, who's the daughter who, she comes in like a freaking, uh, like a volcano of emotion and just completely pulverizes Michelle Yeoh's um, idea of what her life should be. And I know I said, like I said at the beginning, I do, I think this is going to be um, in Oscar contention. Definitely. I think best picture. I think Michelle Yeoh definitely could have a best actress nomination, but I mean, for, as far as I can tell, Shirley Carrada, who is the costume designer, I mean, I'm watching this and I go to enough cons and I see these outfits that she put together with the different thing, um, with the different um, just little accessories and tweaks and makeup. And it's like, this is a cosplayer's dream. I mean, it's got so many things for people who love films, um, especially the legendary James Hong, who I love talking to the directors about working with him. And then you've got, you know, uh, Ki-Hong Kwan, who, if anyone knows who that is, I mean, who's seen Goonies and, uh, what is it, uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, I mean, he's barely been in anything for the past, like, 25 years. And he wanted to get involved with this or get involved back with the movies once crazy rich Asians came back and he said, hey, uh, this is something I, if um, there are parts like this that are out there for people like me, I want to get back to the films and um, or get back in the film and seeing that, you know, this and the Daniels saying that it's like when they heard this and they got to talk to him and, you know, uh, cast him in this film. It's like this. I mean, I don't know, as a as growing up when I did and seeing these people that I've known like on film you know in movies for so long and seeing them now in a film like you know almost 40 years since they did something before it's like it's like going back to my childhood so to me it's sort of a um, nostalgia push also but I just think this movie says so much about family and getting out of your box um stop trying to live other people's lives and just trying to do you know, as much as you can for yourself. I don't think it's a perfect film. There's certain things. It definitely shows a lot about Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, and how she grew up, her family, you know, her family dynamic with her father. I wish it would have done it shown a little bit more with um, Evelyn and her daughter, Joy. It shows a little bit, but there's obviously some aspect that, it kind of misses with the audience. And that was one thing that I thought was a miss, but honestly, that's the only thing. Uh, there's been so many memes, so many googly eyes, which is just some random thing that um, her husband Wayman does just to kind of bring joy to their life a little bit. And I love it. And 
Rakakuni with Harry Shum Jr., which is just was just a like a beautiful surprise that just came out of no, nowhere. Uh, there's dildo deaths or dildo um, fights. There's random butt plug things. Uh, there's yeah, this is definitely so much randomness that you're not going to see. But yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love seeing it in the theater. It's definitely a film to be seen in the theater. Nicely done. Yeah, that no. Was- yeah. Was that right at five minutes? Yeah. That was like eight, but that you're was good. about I uh, thirty-four. But it's yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, no, I'm just gonna say really quick before Don, you get into it. Just really quick, if go you ahead, if you go to Letterboxd and you review this film, mm-hmm. uh, if you look in the reviewed part where it's usually what is it usually? I don't even know. I think it might just be an like a, a re- it's kind of like a eyeball. Yeah, they actually have changed it to a googly eye. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah so if you, if you go to your review of Everything Everywhere All at Once, where it says reviewed, it's actually a Google Eye that I think interacts as you scroll up and down. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's already affecting Letterbox. <laughs> already. Oh, I love Which it. It's adorable. And yeah. yeah, I mean, Katie, you can hear it in Katie's response to this movie. Like, this is a movie that definitely hits us cinephiles and, you know, and people with history and fandom square in the face and that's great and i and i know that this movie probably is a challenge for folks who maybe aren't as open to you know butt plugs and dildo deaths and things like that but uh, <laughs> uh i i opened my silly review that i wrote for this movie on 25 well with the uh the john beckwith vote you know owen wilson line from wedding crashers where it's like uh he's trying to use it like as a smooth pickup line where he says you know how they only say we use 10 percent of our brains i think we only use 10 percent of our hearts and he's trying to do like you know some soulfulness with it and all that but i feel like in a weird little way and go to go with a very weird little movie that that kind of is like the perfect benchmark to prove that statement is a movie like this because you know it it, it applies surrealism it zips and zings to an extreme level in creating a very domestic multiverse movie that kind of subverts anything that we think of in a superhero motif and it does that dazzlement and it you know it lays it before us um funneling just levels of familial love that are more i say connective and invincible than any costume paragon from a bigger movie and i think for folks you know more newbies than cinephiles to to absorb this kind of exhilarating and passionate flurry they're gonna need like owen wilson says more than 10 percent of their brain and 10 percent of their heart um i just think this movie has so much going for it and when you kind of take that step back and realize just the miracle of what it is and how it was made. You know, it's $25 million movie that looks like a zillion bucks and, you know, is giving, get, was given the chance to play on IMAX. And, but no, you, that all that aside, you know, you, you have to kind of have that headspace to meet this movie at its fullest. Um, and if you could do that and go, all right, I'm going to watch some weird shit. Can I, let me see if I could sit through it and just see where it goes. If you can, you you really will be rewarded with one of the most visionary movies you might ever see. But if you also have like the heart space to kind of absorb this movie at its fullest kind of exuberance, the movie is just going to skyrocket even further for you. And, you know, there's, if you can get to that frame of mind and that virtuous spirit, man, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see something that you can hear it in Katie's testimony that where it's just wholly original and super sincere still adventurous in a lot of levels and i 
yeah, I, I will, I'll skirt right on down to that same familiar thing because no matter how much wild shit they want to throw against the wall and see what sticks and you borrow Michelle Yeoh's martial arts prowess and you obviously have the the different kind of filmmaking styles you can have when you shift into these different little worlds and Kehun Kwan is is wonderful to kind of come in and be a leading man and my goodness he's the heart and soul of the movie to me but um when you do all that and still kind of bring it back to these moral stakes it's you know and it's not it's not something frivolous for the sake of like quirk it's it's the from you get to a place where this movie from Evelyn on down, everyone is tested about how they live, how they love, how they fight, how they survive and who can rise to the occasion, who caves a little bit. And there's just a wonderful weight to that, you know, that starts with family right there in that script. And I tell you, if you would have thought that would be something that a 24 can do, not don't get me wrong. A 24 has had some heartfelt movies, but they, you know, they definitely veer for the weirdness for the sake of weirdness. And they can leave a lot of people open and cold, but the the care given to this movie and the characters from the Daniels and the craft of this movie to kind of layer it and make it as, as just rich as it is. I, I'm with Katie. You can watch this movie two times, five times, 10 times and learn and find something not just quizzically new, but dazzlingly new. There's just so much going on. And oh, the, the splashy score, the production design, when you realize they're at this shitty little tax office, but every little prop can turn into something else. And, and yeah, uh, just there's just so much going for it. And I know we'll get into more details later and I'll, I'll save the five for that. But man, I, this is, uh, man, I, I, I'm, as, I'm as moved as Katie is where this is the reason to see movies. You know, you have all these people out there who bitch about the, the you know, I, I don't want to put, put it right at Marvel's feet, but like the it, original properties or just the original stories. Where's the original things where you got remakes, reboots, we have intellectual properties we know and so many familiar things that are just easy targets and low hanging fruit for all those folks who are like, well, where's something fresh? Where's something new? My goodness, this movie is pointing right at you with a great time to be had. And, I just wish more people can find and see this movie. It's done well at the box office, and I hope it has some good legs because it deserves every viewer it gets. Agreed. Well said, Don. Well said. Yeah. Well, well done, Don. <laughs> well done. Um, all right. I'm going to start my five minutes. Um, <clears throat> all right. So... You know, we've talked on this show many times about expectations, um, and they, they exist in many forms. You know, Don is not a trailer guy. Um, I'm trailer guy for things I really love, like Marvel, because like, I'll just eat up every frame and try to figure out what's going on. But overall, yes, I do think trailers um, uh, ruin a lot of things, <laughs> because... Sometimes they don't know how to sell a movie, so they just tell you the movie in two minutes instead of 95 or 110. Um, there's a different type of expectation, though, and that is when a film, you know, it enters the cultural consciousness and everyone starts talking about how great it is. Now, there's obviously truth to that um, because it's getting the buzz because there is something about it that is truly great. But I think as time wears on, especially when you make stupid mistakes like I did, um, which is, you know, I in the last two months, just with my schedule, I've only really had time to go to the movies like once. 
and I remember I had a choice between this and <laughs> ambulance, and I was kind of in a <laughs> like action mode. So I went, I'll go see Ambulance. I can see everything everywhere all at once some other time. And then, of course, I didn't get to see it for another month and a half. You know, by the time I saw it, it it had entered kind of a different stage. It had mutated into, you know, this, it's so good. It's an amazing film. It's the film of the year. And I think, you know, and, and that's and that's definitely a, that's not the fault of the film. But I think that the more and more you enter into that that realm the harder it is to watch the film without some kind of bias so i was left a little bit i'm not going to say empty because i still gave the film four and a half stars um and uh i think that uh both multiverse films that we've gotten uh in the last couple months um have flaws to them um, I do like I do like how there is a unique director's vision in both of them. I do think that there are certain limitations or things in the multiverse that neither film, and I'm sure everyone knows I'm talking about Doctor Strange is the other one, uh, did not explore. Uh, what, everything everywhere all at once, probably more so because of the budget than anything else. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was a little weighed down. I would like to get some distance from this. So... Hopefully, I, I hopefully before the Oscars, because I, I think this is going to go one of two ways at the Oscars. I think this is going to go either the Uncut Gems way, or this is going to go a, I can't think of another comparison, but something that carries that momentum all the way through. And when I say by Uncut Gems is you have something where Uncut Gems to me is almost a perfect film, and you're just like, well, of course Adam Sandler is going to be nominated. And of course it'll get a screenplay nomination. It's got to get an editing nomination, right? And all this stuff. And then it gets nothing. I see this film being one of two things. It's either going to get all the awards or none. And it'll be a talking point. Um, and so I, I would hopefully want to get another viewing of this in when it's on VOD, hopefully like uh, later in the summer or early winter before the Oscar talk starts and give it another shot because despite the four and a half stars, like I said, I was, I was looking, I was expecting the expectations. I was expecting the greatest film ever made based on so many exaggerations and, and so many glowing reviews. Um, and I didn't quite get that good film. Yes. Did I love it? No. Um, one thing that Katie touched on that I did really enjoy about the film is that there's kind of this, uh, in even really good movies that involve time travel or alternate realities, they do kind of have a black and white view of things like how, um, you know, if you had just done this one thing, I, I mean, back to the future is the first one that comes to my mind. Like if Marty didn't race flee from red hot chili peppers at the intersection and crash his car, you know, he would have the most idyllic, perfect life ever, <laughs> you know, but unfortunately he does that and he has a terrible life. What I like about this film is that it shows that every, not only is every choice you make have an effect on how, where your life goes, but it does, there's not necessarily like a right or wrong choice either. It's the multiverse exists to, in this universe, exists to show just possibilities not necessarily positive ones or negative ones and i like that because another film a lesser made film a lesser written film a lesser directed film 
would have the movie star Michelle Yeoh portion be the ideal lifestyle. Like, oh, we wish she had that. But in that, she has lost something. You know, there's a sense of loss to all of it. There's a sense of gain from all of it. I, I do like how it balances out its emotions and balances out this, the fact that human beings are gray. So I did love that. I'm going a little bit over my time, but I do want to say the fact that James Hong can finally be on something like Jimmy Kimmel and get the respect he deserves. And the fact, the fact, the fact that we can get, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I pronounced this correctly. Key. Is it key? Hu Kwan? The, um, um, I've been enjoying, I don't know if I pronounced that right. So if I did, sorry, or if I didn't, sorry, but I've been enjoying talk with, um, former guests of the show, Barbara Vandenberg, how we've been talking about how hot short round is now because he's kind of <laughs> hot in this here. movie. I'm not going to lie. He's got the tone. He's got the Tony lung Leung factor going uh, in those um, movie star sections. So mm-hmm. uh, short round is hot now guys. And if, if there's anything you can take from this movie, whether you love it or hate it, let's, let's all, let's all raise our, uh, raise our uh, glasses to that short round is hot. Well done. All right, team, we will break for a short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum, all things horror from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you. All right, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, Katie, tell us more. Dive a little deeper into that family dynamic because that's... That's so huge and so big. And you were, you were, you were ramping up to there and I know you wanted to do more and I know it's the big crux. So. No, I just, I feel, I mean, there's so many films, films. I don't know wh- what that accent is. Uh, there's <laughs> so many films that deal with family dynamics with that, where you have, you're trying, you don't want to disappoint the older generation, but you've right. got like 60 years um, from the, what the older generation uh, grew up with. And I mean, times change, things evolve. Like, you know, I know this, they may not understand it, but you can't live in that life if it's going to hurt someone else that you love. And I feel like this was very interesting with the, like sort of the core family dynamic with that, considering that, I mean, I mean, it's been two months since the movie came out. Can we give away spoilers or no? I I think we're safe to go there. Yeah, no, no, let's do it. I mean, the fact that, Michelle, yeah, when you uh, are in the universe that she's in uh, with Evelyn and getting audited and all that stuff. And I mean, her father and mother disowned her. And now she's taking care of that same father, which it seems like to me that they didn't have a relationship for like several decades. It's like it was one of those. That was kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, that probably wouldn't happen in a lot of families right now. And yet, you know, she's willing to look beyond what he did to her and, you know, welcoming him into her family. Yet she's sort of ostracizing her own daughter and not thinking of the way her father made her feel. And it's like, you know, stop this familial um, guilt and, uh, just seeing that in all the different um, levels. And I love that Stephanie, um, seeing Stephanie Sue, because the only film that I've ever seen her in other than this was um, Shang-Chi and the uh, Legend of the Ten Rings, where she played right. the 
friend that was kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, I went to college. Yeah, it's just like the stuffed shirt that's like the traditional values of the family. Mm-hmm. Like I did this and I grew up and I did this. And it's kind of like rebelling. So to, yeah, I agree with you. Like she's kind of playing the, the, in that movie, she's just kind of the boring, I did everything right. And then, you know, now you get to see her like wear golf outfits and yeah. sequins and bagel net, bagel <laughs> heads and, and- and all the different things and it's like and i love it and um and just yeah i feel like it's you know this is an asian family and yet this could work on any cultural level because we all have you know i know there's members of my family that wouldn't necessarily well i mean there's they don't they still don't it's like how come you don't have five kids and why aren't you doing this blah blah it's like well because i didn't necessarily want that or you know maybe in some other universe i did but it just didn't happen and i mean it is what it is and yet i'm living my dream and i'm having a great life it's like that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong but there's going to be judgment (laughs) and um and i think that's something that uh, you know makes it work so well and i know uh dan kwan he said from the beginning it's like he wanted this to be an asian family to show that and Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love the fact that they have James Hong and I love the fact his yeah. character and every ass and every different variation that you have of him and then hearing how he was on set and he wanted to do more stunts. And he said, he's like, <laughs> I mean, the stories they told were so cute. And I also was a little bit, cause when I asked, it's like, I asked my one question about the um, fighting with the dildos, which brought me to another film that I know that was made in Chicago. And then when I got to ask them up close about James Hong, they're like, Oh yeah, we're so happy. We always have at least one James Hong fan when we come to a city and I'm like, how can you only have one? What are you talking about? This is right. James motherfucking Hong. Sorry. I didn't know if I can curse or not, um, yes, but I, you fucking can. I feel like that MF is deserved with James Hong. Um, <laughs> and just to hear them say, it's like he was 91 I think on set he turned or yeah. Yeah, 91. He was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I can fall. I can do this. They're like, no, 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 no. You're fine. You're doing great. You just keep, you don't have to do anything. We just love you. It's like, please don't hurt yourself. And like now he's 93. He finally got his uh, star on the walk of fame and like, yeah, all the cast, so cool. yeah. And all the cast was behind him. And yeah, there's just so many things. It's just so many things I love about the film. And but it is the family dynamic that I think just transcends yeah. well, everything. Well, ahead, I wanna Bill. I wanna tap into something in that regard too that you're talking about. And that is okay, and here's my weird comp of the day, but there because I always comes. do one of those on the show. Hey, but I did wedding crashers, so you're up. Right. Go ahead. Well, okay. So I was thinking a couple of years ago I saw Sicario Day of mm. the Saldado, I think it's called. I don't the second know. Second one, yeah, you're there. Saying that correct. Yeah, I saw it on my birthday. That was like my birthday present. I was like, I'm gonna go see this horrifically brutal, uh, you know, nihilistic film. And I remember at the time, a lot of people were saying that it wasn't good because of you know, it wasn't directed by Denny Villeneuve and blah blah blah. And I actually remember really liking it because I was like, this is kind of the film that represents our times right now. Everything is so brutal and nihilistic and everyone's fighting and everyone's so upset and i think and then and then bill maher i know a lot of people don't like bill maher i i i find myself agreeing with him reluctantly most of the time 
because uh, he kind of says things like an asshole. But he did have that whole point about how the Oscars are kind of rewarding, you know, dreariness. You know, you got to be sad, you know, and, and he might have been overgeneralizing. And there's some good films out there. But what I do like, and I guess what I'm saying by mentioning those two things, especially Sicario, which I think is kind of like that nadir of just nihilistic filmmaking where you just go to the theater to just be brutalized mm-hmm. you know uh and dreary like it's nice to see a film that is not afraid to sure have some you know have some edges but in the end is trying to tell you something beautiful like tell you positivity you know that even your worst self is the hero of the story you know like your worst self has value and like I think that's why it's becoming such a hit. Not only because it's visually interesting, and, and one thing I and one thing I told Don when I got out of it is I'm not like a quirky person. Sure, I'm not really into quirky stuff. That's probably another reason why I'm not loving the film because I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I just it's just not my style. I can appreciate it. It's just I'm, I'm not into random quirkiness, which I think this film has. Uh, and I've heard Swiss Army Man also has the same kind of thing. Um, I have not, I have not seen it, but so that, you know, that doesn't necessarily rub me, but I think that mixture of quirkiness and positivity, because I think we've just, we've lived through the last five or six years of just constant negativity and brutal and, you know, and that's why, and, and here's some other comps, but you know, maybe that's why like some of these big blockbusters like Dune and stuff haven't connected with me because they're still kind of in that let's get it as emotionally dry as possible. Whereas this one wants to, this goes for your throat emotionally right away. Whether mm-hmm. it works for you or not is another story, but the fact that it's trying to give you a positive story, that it's, it's not using, it's not using the dreary parts as the catalyst to get you involved. It's, it's showing you that despite all the dark parts, and that's what life is. Like life is full of dark moments, you know, like, sure. but, it's 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 how you find that light within and so i do think that's a reason why the film is so successful is because with audiences is because it's nice to sit down in a theater and you know be told something nice <laughs> like that to be to think something nice yeah. for a change i mean you know even even the marvel films you know to a degree there's this oh, shakespearean level of kind of tragedy to them you know like or sadness like i mean dr strange's whole arc in the new one was are you really happy like your love of your life went away and i'll love you in every universe but i still can't have you You there's still kind of a tragic sad quality to it it's like this one's just like no yeah you 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 get this horrible tax problem and your family's annoying and you don't know what to do with them but god damn it what a life right you know so it's just it's nice, I guess yeah. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you've got the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, you've exactly. Got, you've got it's characters here that are definitely. But maybe beyond the silliness, it's it's still washing away characters that are kind of like resigned in some places to their to their nihilistic fates where they see themselves in, you know, kind of to quote the movie, small and stupid or specks of time, you know, in this big grand universe. We have two rocks who are arguing with each other about existential uh, things, you know, like, just, so and, and normally that would be a scene that would take me out, you know, where I'd be like, what the fuck? But <laughs> we're there. And by the time we've reached that point where they're, they're still talking, they're still trying to, you know, get to each other. This is mom and daughter talking that 
it still it still matters even when you get down to just this and even if we are small and stupid and we are specks of time in a in a bigger place um that may very well be but when it's all said and done depending on whatever core beliefs people have while we're here you know we come from seek and surround ourselves with people we love and people mm-hmm. you know whether it's family or friends or otherwise in this case it's a lot of family and those people matter and they make us matter as we kind of you know forge these little lives together and we get to watch this you know be put painfully put on display between mother and daughter and to have like you said will where normally this would be you know super positive you know heroic main character flawless that you know your ideal person but you know she she's the one that needs the fixing and the daughter is shouldering shouldering so much of this pain and to have that assuage as the movie goes on you know where no endeavor is small or stupid and every little random thing that's coming from all these places to pull that out hot dog fingers and all is mm-hmm. is really something unique beautiful and yes it's being delivered through an asian family but i i challenge anybody whatever walk of life they come from whatever demographic they come from not to sit and watch this movie and not have at least a twinkle of feels you don't have to, oh like, sure sure you know compared to like the the flack that like turning red got for being an asian experience like you don't have to be asian to like this movie you can get it more don't get me wrong i'm married to a chinese woman who has a mother just like this um <laughs> and a grandfather just like this but um no for this movie to use that as the vessel and use that as the mouthpiece to still be very universal about all those realistic sure. fates is a really nice thing Agreed. Agreed. Very well said. And I forgot to mention this, but thank you so much for um, quoting uh, Wedding Crashers with using 10% of your heart. It's like, I have not heard that in so long. And it (laughs) goes so well with this film, too. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, because there, I mean, I could picture people that are more square than us that walk up to this movie and go, this is weird and I don't fucking get it. You know, hot dog fingers, Jamie Lee Curtis and all yet. I would hope by the time the movie kind of builds and keeps going that by the time you make it back to that laundromat at the end of the movie and some of the, the loud stuff goes away that there's enough there to be like, Oh, that was the journey. That's what got me here. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. feeling it even though it was weird. Like I know I'm going to show this to my wife and she's going to be like, dildos and butt plugs. And she's going to be like, Don, what the fuck are we watching? She's not going to cuss. I'm going to cuss for her. But it's going to be that. And I'm like, honey, I swear it means something. Then we're going to get to the rocks. And she'd be like, Don, what the fuck are we watching? So I know I got to convince other people to be cool with it. But I think there's enough here that people can find it. So, Well, you know what? And um, Michelle Yeoh, I mean, we got to talk about her too. Oh, definitely. I mean, this this is why people were shocked that I hadn't seen it by the time I finally did because Michelle Yeoh is like legitimately one of my favorite actresses. I mean, I love her. She's my favorite Bond girl. I love everything that she does. She brings grace and power and beauty to everything. I mean, she, she legitimately, you know, brings a production up in value with her presence. There's just something about her. It's just amazing. Um, and yeah, this, I mean, I think that a lot of, especially the action stars from, as I'm seeing this, you know, especially in the American market, you know, that they, when they come from Hong Kong or Japan or Korea or whatever, like they don't really get the opportunity to act as much. Uh, Michelle Yeoh has been fortunate, uh, but compared to some of her 
counterparts, you know, that she came up with, you know, like Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung and Jet Li and all of them. It's like they don't get the benefit of the doubt. Like, and then every now and then you get something like uh, Unleashed uh, with Jet Li where he actually gets to act, you know, or, um, you know, uh, Jackie Chan's had a few and, and Jet Li gets a few and, you know, they, they get the opportunity. This is finally, like, I think, I feel like this is finally the moment where people are going to be like, okay, like, because there's people like us that appreciate Michelle Yeoh for all the stuff that she does, but there's a lot of people out there who still think she's probably just an action star. And I like that she can finally get this movie to be like, yes, like she is a legitimate actress. Like I've been trying to scream this for decades. She is a wonderful actress. And like this, we're finally getting that. I feel like she's going to get props. I hope she gets an Oscar nom, whatever, but she's so good in this. And I don't think you could have anyone else headline this picture. you know, I mean, I just can't see anybody else in this role. It's like, it's made for her. Like I, 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 if I were to kind of picture this movie, get like an Americanized version, not that this movie is a foreign film, but like if you right. had to put another person, like an American person in here, I don't know who you get, who is right around this same age, had could, could obviously can still put some action chops in there if you need it, but, but, but be real enough, be unglamorous enough when necessary. And of course still the, yep. then be glamorous when she needs to. And, I don't know if that 60-year-old American actress exists. It's probably somebody like Michelle Pfeiffer, and we would never give her the time of day to, time of day to do something like this. But Right, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah ahead, when you – oh, sorry. Yeah, no, when you said Michelle – because when you talked about casting with that, the I, I honestly, I think of Annette Benning, but I don't see her mm-hmm. as doing the action so much. Right. But right, then right. Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer – I could possibly sing um, that or a Julianne Moore and or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I can see Julianne Moore. I could, I could see that because she's um, Julianne Moore is yeah. She's one of those actresses that. Um, and am I allowed to say actress anymore? I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. I just say it out of habit. Sure. But female I think actor. We're safe here, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever. Actress. She's one of those ones where I've seen her like really. She dives into parts and is, you know, she's obviously very beautiful, but she mm. can play quote unquote ugly, you know, or right, right. she is not a she is not ashamed to like ugly cry or, you know, yeah, not look like a beautiful woman, I guess is, it, is the way if to you go, describe it. If you go ten years younger, you're talking about like Charlize Theron, Angelina Jolie, who we know have action chops, but they're you know and unquestionably uh, gorgeous women, but maybe not the mothers we would see in this kind of place, sure. you know? Yeah. I, I think a lot of this film works too, because it, and this, I think this happens with a lot of actors when they get a good script, like it, when a script is able to create an original character, but still plays on um, that the actor's life. You know, right, right. Um, I, I can't think of another example off the top of my head, of course. But what I like about this is it's like, yes, there is the Michelle Yeoh in the universe who's a huge action star. You know, like it plays with that. But there's also like, what if that Michelle Yeoh, you know, who started her life out as a beauty queen, basically, That's and right. a dance and a dancer. You know, what if she went this way? What if she went that way? And and she's such a good actress that I feel like 
yes, I believe in another universe, Michelle Yeoh, as beautiful as she is and as talented as she is, would be just another face in the crowd, you know, like that owns a laundromat, you know, because of a certain choice that she made or did not make. And that's what I think sells it is that like, if this makes sense, what I'm trying to say is like, yes, you can see the alternate universes where she's a huge action star and she's beautiful and gorgeous and all this stuff like that. And I'm not saying she's not gorgeous when she's owning the laundromat because yeah, I love Michelle Yeoh, but you know, like, she, playing with that image it's like it's it's almost so convincing that she, she's so convincing as like a everyday person you would just bump into in the street and you're kind of like wow I, I can see her literally you know riding motorcycles on trains and super cop but i could also just see her just toiling her life away <laughs> at this job it's like it's almost like her star power uh it's almost like the transformation is so complete it makes it more powerful because you're like how the hell is michelle yo this vulnerable this pathetic this sad right. you know what i mean it's just I, I i don't feel like i'm explaining it well enough but that's kind of where i'm at it's it's it, they they knew how to use her essence to sell you on both and that's just you know it's that's why i think no one else could play this role but her i agree no i think yeah, she. i definitely. mean it takes a lot to have someone look as amazing in that golden gilded ball gown as it does wearing that mm -hmm. horrific polyester vest and pants. Um, and I mean, she kills it like, and to have her play, you know, a mother that's caring, but also nitpicking and stuff like that. And I mean, that's, you know, that's what the mothers love. You know, it's like, you know, you need to lose weight, but I love you. And I think you look great and stuff like that. It's like, you're doing it with love, but also it kind of hurts. And she, she just does such an amazing job. And I think there, uh, the way she was directed is fantastic. I, yeah. I mean, I, and will, I honestly think, I know you want to see this like later on. I actually yeah. think you should see it sooner. I think you should okay. see it next week because when I talked about the dildos, um, the dildo death and whatnot, when it's actually just they get beaten up. I had completely forgotten about that until I saw it the <laughs> second time. And there are a number of things that it's honestly because there's just so many things there's, going through your head movie. that then when you see it the second time, it's like, oh, man, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it, yeah, and I'm sure I could pick up on things, too. I'm sure there's lots of hints and and cool little, you know. East, not Easter eggs, but like things that you can pay attention to now that you know the twist of it. Like you can, I can maybe focus more on the background and that you know, right. see like, oh, that's a little callback. I see what they're going to do there. Oh, I see how they connected that part in the first act to the part in the third act, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it does learned... seem like a very deeply layered movie. So. so something I know I need to go back and listen to that the, the filmmakers talked about at the talk back that, cause I, I also went to a press screening that Katie's talking about where they, the filmmakers were there and answering questions or two. And we were lucky to get two in Chicago, but I guess there's that, um, there's that 2000 song, one hit wonder, absolutely story of a girl from nine days. <laughs> and uh, the, the filmmakers talked about how it's, you know, a one hit wonder, terrible, terrible song, you know, and uh, but they brought it back in this movie as like background inspiration. And they had the original uh, singer songwriter lead of the band come back and rewrite um, 
different versions of that one hit wonder song to play in different moods and in different universes of this thing. So that song is in there all the time. And it's a nail, you know, a, 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 a you know, a, an ear bore of a song, but at the same time, it's like they, he sung it in the style of the song with the facts of moments of the movie where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even pick up on that. I'd love to go hear mm-hmm. that again. And yeah, yeah that's, sure. that's where the, that's where the craft really picks up. And I know, Katie said it earlier that costume designer, Shirley Karata, you know, just takes these frumpy things and turns them into just, you know, just, I don't know how to say it. Just, just drapes of, of, uh, significance to the stature of what they want to be or are. And then by the time the production designer and the property master take these very mundane looking sets and locations and turn them into just weapons and mayhem. It's, it's just amazing that, who sits down and thinks of that stuff at the same time mm-hmm. as, hey, let's weave a little family while we're here. And I, I, there, I, it's so rare to see a movie nail all the craft and then nail all the feels and still make it something that isn't a discombobulated mess. It's, it, yes, sure. this movie is wild and crazy and, and, and fun, but nothing about it is bland. Nothing about it is weak sauce. And all of it is just, just so charming. I, I can't get and over I, it. Yeah, I will. And I will say um, it takes a lot for a movie to make me close my eyes because I always have that suspension of disbelief that something is fake regardless. But like this, this joins a very exclusive list of certain films that I cannot watch scenes of like um, for reasons I won't even mention because I hate just thinking about it is a number of scenes from American History X. But um, also the first, right. the first Jackass movie, <laughs> I I can watch sure. all of that. But when they do the paper cut scene yeah. in the first Jackass movie, <laughs> I, I, I literally will put my head into the couch like an ostrich and be like, "Tell me when it's over." Oh, and there man. is yeah. a scene in this movie, <laughs> like like uh, I I cannot like I literally. I uh-huh. was, I wanted to vomit like in the theater. I was, I was so <laughs> grossed out. Like I was like, I cannot watch this. So I, I'm sure. And I've heard some, like I said, I've heard some things about Swiss army, man, <laughs> how bonkers that one gets, especially it's, with human anatomy. Oh, yeah. Like yep. I'm sure that, you know, it, it, weird comp time uh, again, uh, but it, it kind of reminds me a lot of one of my favorite comedies. Uh, and it's, it came out the same year as Wedding Crashers, actually, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Okay. Um, and what I liked about that was that, like, you could go to both sides of the spectrum with that movie. The reason why I think that movie is so wonderful, 40-Year-Old Virgin anyway, um, and the reason why Wedding Crashers, which was huge at the time, but I don't think has that cultural legacy, like, whereas the um, Judd Apatow stuff kind of lingered for, like, a decade, you know, like, that style of film. Right. Is because like they would be like in one scene saying the cr- most rude, crass, disgusting stuff, you know, and then in the next pull your heartstrings. And this kind of does the same thing. Like, right. I can't think of another movie where I'm like crying at the end where I also am so visually disgusted with what I'm seeing at one <laughs> point that I have to turn my head and bury it into my arm or the couch, you know, be, like so I love I love when you get those kind of um you can tell when a when a filmmaker is trying to do that. Um, a, okay. a good ex, a good example I can come up with. When I you say trying, do you mean like forcing it? 
Yes, like they're trying to get you that both sides of the spectrum thing. Yeah. Like I said, like 40-year-old version seems very fluid. Like it seems like okay. those are guys having conversations that are talking about horrible things, and then you have these kind of honest relationship things. In this movie, you have horrible paper cut sequences, but then it's mixed <laughs> with it's mixed with beautiful family dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is uh what the hell is it called the gilmore del toro one that one best picture uh shape 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 of water like they're trying to tell like a cool like they're trying to tell a quirky love story right romance but then you'll have like a subplot where you know uh what's his name michael shannon's hand is decomposing or you know uh they have that bizarre like graphic sex scene you know (laughs) like and Mm -hmm. it's almost like you can it's almost like you can feel you're on the spectrum, you know, like you're like, okay, now you're going over here and now you're going over here. Like you're going left, you're going yeah. right. It, it's, there's not a fluidity to it. And this one has that where it's like, yes, you can be grossed out and watching dudes, uh, you know, fling their, you know, like they're hanging brain while they're fighting Michelle Yeoh <laughs> and yeah. doing all this crazy shit. And one guy's literally jumping cannonballing onto a statue to, uh-huh. Uh, you know, enter into his butt, and then, but then, like I said, you're at the end. You're just like, oh my god, this is a great mother daughter yeah. story. It's beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I will, I will give you know props to that because, yeah, anybody a lesser screenplay, lesser director or directors mm-hmm. would not be able to balance that the I way agree. this one's being balanced. Yeah, yes. I, a lesser director, it's either all gags and quirk for the sake of quirk. And and the heart is the heart part feels forced, or it's all heart, you know, or or it's rightly all heart, and then the gags are take you out of it because it's too far away from the, the 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 nice soft core you're trying to go for. Well, and I know I know Don's not much of a Twitter guy. Uh, I run the Twitter. I'm learning. The, I'm getting better. I'm getting well. Better. I mean, I don't know if you can get better at Twitter. It's just awful you can, all the you way can through. Get better but, at Twitter, but yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I kind of run the Twitter for the the podcast. But Katie, are you are you a Twitter person at all? I honestly am not. I just yeah. I well, good just, for you. Yeah, just knowing no, I'm. I already get as as I already get enough. Hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, you're pretty blah, blah, blah from people I don't know, but you could like kind of see their names that I don't need that on Twitter with the, you suck. Blah, blah. You don't yeah. know anything because you've got or, a vagina. <laughs> yeah, you get random D- uh, DMs and dick pics and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. every girl, every girl loves those. Um, but like uh, Michelle Yeoh, who, who is um, thankfully, you know, just like James Hong and, and, uh, Ki Hong Kwan, or I'm sorry if I pronounced that, but you know they're getting this kind of nice resurgence. Um, Universal Studio or Universal, the 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 film company, right? Uh, studio had like a savage self own on Twitter because of the Michelle Yeoh, because you know everyone's talking about Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they posted on their Twitter, and this is why I was asking if you guys are like t- followers of Twitter on film film Twitter because they posted the horrific. Uh, fight scene between Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh from The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And it, and it says on there, it says, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh versus Jet Li was everything we ever wanted. And it is the most horrifically edited, terrible fight choreography. Like, it's embarrassing that these two legends of cinema, action cinema, are in this Americanized mess. 
and Twitter just had a field day. But that's how you know, I bring that up because that's how you know a film is hitting the right cultural notes because even like other studios are kind of like, oh, you like Michelle Yeoh? We had Michelle Yeoh in one of our movies and it's 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 mm-hmm. starting to have that, you know, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon effect where it's like, okay, Michelle Yeoh's out there. She's getting all this buzz. Let's let's bring up our Michelle Yeoh movies. I mean, we've got local theaters here right. in, in um, I wouldn't say local, but there's a theater in Tucson about two hours away from me in Phoenix that is doing a Michelle Yeoh marathon. You're like, you know, uh, you know, for one weekend, they're playing like six of her movies. It's like, I love, I love when a film gives you those people and people discover those things and it starts to spread. And even, even if a studio is self-owning themselves on Twitter, showing their horrible sequences, it's still get Michelle Yell's name out there and it'll still bring it back to the film. And I just, I love that cascading effect of Mm -hmm. recognition for a film. I think that's amazing. And I love that. I feel like each one of us has kind of touched on a different aspect of the film, like um, sort of like uh, the Wizard of Oz. Like, uh, I feel like, Will, you touched on the gags. Um, um, Don, you touch on the heart. And then I it's the silliness that with the uh-huh. eyes that just randomly pop up and stuff. And, you know, the Rakakuni that I just feel like is just a silly, silly part of the film that just had me busting up laughing so much that that it it's that beautiful synergy of all of those aspects coming together that not one of them is overshadowing the other that makes this film so unique and so great and that's why yeah that's why i think it's just doing so well because like both of you gentlemen have said if it was one or the other like Mm -hmm. too much if there was too much heart and then they put in the gags as just a dumb subplot or if it was too many gags and you tried to put in the heart and it just didn't work. But if you like the way they just even this out, this beautiful um, concoction that the um, Daniels made is just, it's, it's hard to do. And yet they do it so well. And yeah. I also love that this movie has made so many memes, especially mm-hmm. during mother's day when um, with the rocks and um, everything that you could give cards um, out to people that I thought was just beautiful. And the rock part was one of my favorite parts of the entire film. Oh, me too. I love the rock part. It's, it hit all my, it hit all my philosophical yeah. buttons that I love to you know, experience in a film. <laughs> for a while there, I thought for a while there, I thought it was going to be the two ghosts talking to each other a couple windows and houses away in David Lowry's ghost story, but it was so much better and warmer and awesome than that. So thank goodness. Oh yeah. And just seeing the ha 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 like on the screen with two rocks. It's like, that just is something that it's like, and just hearing the entire audience, like laughing with it. I'm like, see, this is, that's something that you don't get just that, that unified. I don't know that, it's almost like a universal um, yeah. love, like for certain scenes that you don't see in different films. And believe me, coming from the film that I saw on Wednesday night, which is amazing, I saw Resurrection at the Chicago mm. Critics Film Fes- Festival. And then coming to this, like, I mean, they're both beautiful films, but this one definitely has the heart and that lightness and that positivity, Will, that you were talking about that I feel like we need more of. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think this is why movies are important. Um, I mean, I don't take movies so seriously that I base my personality off them. Like some people do for like, you know, Zack Snyder or the Joker or whatever, but Ooh, you ain't kidding. I, I do. I do think that movies are part of our culture and, and can be important enough that they can, I'm not going to say affect change, but mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you have too many Sicario day of the Soldados, you know, it's, you know, and that's what people are consuming. It's going to, you know, I'm not saying it's going to go make somebody, you know, go, go join a cartel in Mexico, but you know, right. it's, it, it's going to, it's going to hover over you. It's like when you go into a room and you can tell like two people have been fighting, verbally fighting. Yeah. And you could feel that cloud, you know? I think movies are powerful enough to affect that kind of consciousness in a way. It's like, yeah, if you're, you know, that's why the 70s movies were so revolutionary because they tapped into themes no one had ever seen before. You know, like you're mm-hmm. getting into that maturity and that darkness and that grittiness mm-hmm. and, and touching into topics you never have. And that's why people hold them in such a high regard because it changed things. And, and, and and I'm not saying this is going to lead to a sea change of how films are made, but I think movies, if you get, if we get more of these, I, yeah. I feel like the general public <laughs> is going to be a little bit happier. <laughs> you know, that's, I would love that. that's, yeah. I, that's how movies, I, like I said, I, 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 you can't base your life on them and you can't take them too seriously that you, you know, you know, you want to fight someone just because they don't like Christopher Nolan, a.k.a. me. But, uh, you know, you can I think movies can still be like a great thing for. Great hey. thing for social consciousness, you know, sure. I don't know. Yes, that's why that's why the website's called Every Movie Has a Lesson over here. So I, I yeah, you you can't you always pull chestnuts and hallmarks and little examples of how to. You know, the escapism and the dream fulfillment that comes from movies, it, it, it gets to you and it's a great thing. Yep. Agree. Sure. Um, and I know there's been, you know, all these directors like, you know, Marvel's taking too many movies and Marvel's doing this and there's too many of this. Like, look, I happen to love some of my favorite movies are superhero movies. It doesn't you don't need to have like one, it doesn't one or the other isn't like, oh, this good, this bad. I mean right. they're films, they're people who are working, they're making money. They're creating like that should not be something that we need to, you know, hate upon. I mean, as long as Mm -hmm. they're not hurting anyone, it's like, look, if you're creating something, create it. That's great. If it's 300 million, if it's 3 million, if it's 30,000, like get out there and do it. I feel like I'm talking like Bill Murray and Scrooge, like get out there and (laughs) do it and win. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, that's been my thesis statement for this show from the beginning is I've Mm -hmm. always defended quote unquote lower art, you know, and, and uh, this is the thing that I don't get. And and unfortunately, I did a live show recently, and I think the audio is not going to come out on it. So I'll bring up a point I brought up here, but like, uh, I brought up at the live show that might not make it, but, you know, I'm sick of seeing like, people that should be together going against each other, like, There's a lot of, I mean, and Katie, I know you know this because of, um, you're a horror person. Yes. Um, but there's a lot of horror people that really do not like, like superheroes and stuff. And, and I think that they, just because one makes a lot more money or is kind of Mm -hmm. part of the cultural force right now, 
I always look at the reason why I love comic book films and superhero films is because they're like genre to me. I love horror films. I love superhero films. Like they, they are genre to me. And like, you know, I was seeing um, Mick Garris, who's a director. Uh, I'm sure Katie knows who it is. Maybe Don doesn't know. I yeah. saw him I, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love Mick Garris. He's a great interviewer. Um, but he's kind of on that Scorsese train, like how he thinks everything's theme rides. And I remember he posted on Twitter once, he showed the top 10 films of the year grossing. And, you know, five of them are Marvel films. One's a Fast and the Furious, one's a whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, this is so depressing. And, you know, then you have your horror fans that are like, yeah, the superhero movies are ruining cinema. And I kind of was like, Mick, like, we got to, these genre folks, we got to stick together, man. Like, you know, we, you know, it's just like, we got to support each other because we're all trying to tell stories a different way than the the status quo. You know, we're not trying to tell a basic drama or a basic comedy. We're trying to tell a story about people with extraordinary powers or people going through horrible circumstances. And I, I do, I do. I feel like so many people are like, you know, bashing heads with each other and and this film and to keep it connected with everything everywhere all at once like i see it too it's like i i gave four and a half stars to both this and dr strange uh because i like the stylistic choices in both now here's the thing yeah Uh, no the script script for dr strange yeah i'll be i'll be jim carrey from batman forever with like the entrances his was good yours was good his was better. What's the difference? Showmanship in this movie makes Doctor Strange's multiverse look like shit. Ah, uh, see, I don't, I don't totally agree with that. But my and the script is definitely terrible compared to everything, everywhere, all at once. But what I will say is, what I liked about both is that, um, the, kind of the emotional cores worked for me, and also the styles of the directors worked for me. So I'm a Raimi head. I love Sam Raimi. I could tip my head so there. See, so seeing Doctor Strange be so much a Raimi film, especially Army of Darkness. It was very Army of Darkness to me. Even to the point of, yes. Yeah, even even to the point where Doctor Strange is like grabbing a book and you're not sure if like he's gonna get sucked into a hole or not. You know, like mm-hmm. so I, I admired both films for their director led things. I I liked pieces of their multiverse. Like I said, I think there's limitations to both. You know, Doctor Strange didn't explore enough. I don't think everything, everywhere, all at once was able to explore enough. But my main point is, and Don just did it, uh-huh. is even in this, even in this world, like when Doctor Strange came out, it's like, well, we already saw a better version of this already, and everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, that's okay. That is fine. But what I'm saying is, is people were automatically dismissing Doctor Strange because it wasn't everything, everywhere, all at once. Where I think this is what we lack in, in current film criticism is nuance. Like you can, you can oh, say one is better than the is, other. I, hey, the nuance is giving one, one score, giving one, the other and having reasons no, why, no, which I know you, how to do. So you and I will do that. Katie will yeah. do that. And a lot yeah. of people will do that, but a lot of people won't because I've That's seen true. a lot of reviews for Dr. Strange. They'll just be like, well, it's Marvel. It sucks. It's popular. And everything That's everywhere all once did it better. And it's like, you're not even giving Doctor Strange a chance. And and I get it. I, I totally get it. One is an indie film with a lot of heart, and Marvel is a corporation. I get it. Even even between these two movies, there's this fight like where I think we should just be able to just embrace both, you know, like just you know, it, it just 
Nah, I'll stick to the one. <laughs> Look, I mean, in, yeah, I, I found my winner. Yeah. In less than five months, we've had three films, three major films that have dealt with multiverses. And I mean, some yeah. people may be multiversed out by the time sure, Doctor Strange sure. happened. I love the Sam Raimi aspects of Doctor yeah. Strange so much so that it it's like it. I mean, I even said that it's like it's Doctor Strange in the multiverse of Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell universe. Because, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what um, it felt like. It was more Raimi to me than Marvel, which I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's the most horror-esque Marvel film that I definitely have ever seen. That's Um, right. Thank you for the esque, because it's still pulling punches, and it's neat, too. I get it. Because, I mean, it's still, I mean, there's definitely not like a bunch of blood, (laughs) although it alludes to um, a number of things. But I think each one of them has their own, you know, uh, pluses to them. I mean, it's got, it's uh, definitely like, but I do agree. The script in um, Strange was a little weak and there's Mm -hmm. different things. And, but thing is, this is also... um, this is a character we know so we're gonna have expectations because you know we know him we know his first film you know different things like that and with everything everywhere all at once i mean i i know um well you said you're a trailer guy see i've been burned too much from trailers that i go in not knowing anything in any film i go into i go in completely like blank slate i don't i mean mm-hmm. other sometimes even like i don't even know who's in the film i want to mm-hmm. go in that fresh because i just don't want to like have a preconceived notion with it because i feel like like you said there's a lot of people who are like oh well, it doesn't matter because um since it's a marvel film dr strange is gonna suck it's like no i want to see what it's gonna do and like <laughs> yeah. you know i know because it's a marvel film that there's definitely going to be aspects of it that i'm going to you know absolutely love but yeah, I just feel like everything has become so divisive in the past two years, in the past few years, where it's like mm-hmm. either like love it or hate it. And it's no, none of this like right. in between. Like you can like a film and not absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. Like you can just enjoy it. And sure. I, we're, like, there, we're there often on this show. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we, we <laughs> occupy the middle and we love it. And well, that's. And, and, yeah, Don- <laughs> Don makes a good, I mean, Don, Don's point is that, yes, I know he's saying, I know how to like one over the other and still find the value in them. Mm -hmm. I think the general discourse is you have to like one over the other. You have to hate one to like the other. Yeah. That's that's, kind of the big, you said it where that's fandom and cinephiles, like this little Scorsese stoked and horse stoked battle. Like that's just people being pissy and picking their t-shirts to wear for the, for the fight of the brawl of the, you know, the cineplex, which is silly and stupid. So I do, I I tell you what, I I would feel bad for this movie. I'm, I'm so glad everything everywhere all at once came out before Dr. Strange. Cause if it came out like here in July or August, I do think the fatigue would hurt its chances of trying to say, Hey, look, Look at us being unique and new. So I'm I'm happy it had it's a great time to come out. So agreed, agreed, very much agreed. I don't feel like this is a summer film. I feel like when they it was was released, what I think April first. I think that was perfect. Mm -hmm. I agree. Do you think that? Okay, so since Katie, you're kind of our Oscar person. Mm -hmm. What uh, realistically, 
let's let's say that this um like I said, my my opinion on it is either going to get some or none at all. It's going to go the A24 route that a lot of these A24 films have been going lately. It's going to get either nothing or everything. <laughs> so um, if you could, and being a fan of it um, and separating your fandom from it to legit, like, what do you think it's going to get? Like, which categories do you think it can legitimately contend in? In my opinion, as of mm-hmm. like us talking about it, even now in May, two months from when it started, and this is the first half of the year, I would say there are a number of films that I have seen this year that can be up for different categories in the Oscars. And I am extremely surprised that I'm seeing them this early with everything everywhere all at once. I, I will predict, I will predict. Best picture, Ooh. best costume design, mm-hmm. uh, possibly best production design. I don't want to cement that, but I there's a number of things that I could see, especially with the donut and you know every mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. whole um, that whole alabaster area that they were in. Yeah. Uh, I could see. I definitely would say that Michelle Yeoh is going to be on the short list. I guess I can right now. I would say she's definitely in the top five. Uh, I mean, I don't really, I'm like, well, uh, from what I've seen this year. Yes. She's definitely, there's another actress that I could see being in there right now. I'm hoping that she'll get it. But I mean, uh, it's again, this is, from the movie I saw Wednesday, Rebecca Hall oh, in um, Resurrection. Okay. I mean, she need she's overdue for for some of the performance oh, she's in. Absolutely, yeah. but uh, yeah, I could see Michelle Yeoh uh, um, getting an Oscar nomination for this right now. Uh, I, I I on my tally over here, like going through categories, mm-hmm. I see it as being a realistic contender, if not a nominee. Uh, probably just a realistic contender because again it's a long time for now i got 10 categories Damn. you know I, i'm i got picture director screenplay yo and kwan in lead and supporting nice. you know nice. and then you get to and then you get to the arts and technical where i think it's got a shot definitely costumes probably makeup uh screen yes. and then uh cinematography Edit, cinematographer and editing for sure and yeah, not so much score but maybe another place like where sound or visual effects is that magic 10th and if you go to stephanie zoo there's 11 so yeah um there's a lot there's there has a ton of potential if it could be embraced by what we know to be a very fickle and very front runner and very late breaking oscar voting crowd which this movie has to survive until next february uh, yeah. and, and not that we haven't seen it before like get out was the last movie that sure that did yeah. that did it that did that whole february april because get out was a february movie that made it a year uh, you know to get oscar nominations very much like silence of the lambs did you a long time ago but that was in you know a long time ago where there wasn't this much stuff and definitely not this much campaigning so this movie needs to pull a get out level surge in the fall sure. and next winter so it's and I, don't know, I, what, I think it can do it just with the, I think in the too. two months the love, that it's you know? been out just all the buzz and everyone talking yeah. about it and it's still going on now i definitely think it could um keep doing it but i mean this is the social media age which is a yeah. whole 
different it's like it can you know every month like a24 can keep um churning out the different uh you know memes and different things so that it's still in people's brains and yeah. you know still a talking point Let, let's say that this uh this gets legs right let's say we yeah. get some oscar buzz going and we got a lot of categories what do you guys think of the chances i think they're low but what do you think yeah. of the chances like let's say this is like a, an award favorite you know one of those films that gets 10 to 14 nominations or whatever right right what do you what do you think are the chances of jamie lee curtis getting her first ever oscar nomination for this do you think That'd she's good enough for uh, best supporting uh yeah she yeah. puts the category with with sue though that's just the hard part you know yeah for sure yeah i mean yeah, yeah that's stuff but like like katie what do you think katie like, we cut you, you off i'm sorry yeah. Oh no 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 no! I think yeah, I think that could I think that could definitely be a possibility. I mean, at this point, I mean, we are talking, you know, not ten months away. Is it ten months away? Yeah, ten months away. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I think for as much, but and I mean, I know she's been so vocal about it, um, and almost a little bit antagonistic uh, to Doctor Strange, kind of shoving it in Doctor Strange's face. Yeah, uh, which has gotten a little bit of um, blowback on her, but you know, she's no. like, she said, it's like, look, I was the head cheerleader. I'm not going to back down from something that I, you know, that I'm rooting for. So yeah, I'm going to say, Hey, you can't beat us and stuff like that, which is like, look, we can all, we can all, you know, you know, do our yeah. own thing, but I, I can see, yeah, I could see her being a possibility for a best supporting actress um, contender. Yeah, I think like, the trait that'll yeah. keep it around is being a feel-good movie. You know, yeah. this isn't yep. like this is, I think, an easier sell than Parasite, than even Get Out, where those are are critical darling movies that that you know reach like like Will said, kind of that societal zeitgeist level of appreciation. But this one, you know, it's a lot easier to push something that puts smiles on people's faces. You know, and and not in a coda way, but just in a it 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 helps. It just straight up helps. Well, because we were talking about the fact that I mean, Coda might have been out for so long that it just circled around the sun and came back because yeah, like August release there, yeah, yeah. But wasn't that also like it? Wasn't that at Sundance like the that oh, January I or something? So. I mean, yeah. so I mean, it was getting buzz for over twelve months, you yeah. know, and it survived to win Best Picture. So I mean, anything could happen. It, it could be done, and and I and I and I hope it does because I think it would be good for genre films because I do think uh -huh. that this is a nice mixture of genre. It's got sci-fi, it's got it's got kung fu, which I love. It's got all kinds of elements to it. That's great, and and you know, plus it'll it'd be nice to have a feel-good film, you know, kind of take it all, but. I, I think definitely the fact that there's up to 10 nominees, I think this would be a shoe in personally. Um, yeah. I don't but I, know but if, I, if it, I'm not, yeah. I'm kind of with you, Will, though. We're like, if in A20 and A24's had this happen, where if A24 doesn't try that hard or doesn't think it needs to, or if just other things boss and bully and push the FYC crowd around, this could be the little engine that could that everyone forgets too, unfortunately. You know, I, yeah. I don't yeah, like I, to think that, but I, I, I see what you're saying completely. Well, there's also a business aspect because, like, you want to release this thing on VOD and Blu-ray and DVD and all that stuff uh, soon, you know, to capitalize on the buzz. 
Right. But it's it's almost kind of like I almost wanted to take like the old school because remember back in the day when you go to Blockbuster and it would be like 10 months before a movie would be out on VHS, uh-huh. you know? I mean, yeah. stuff comes out so quick now. Like it, it's almost like you it, it's almost too early to like make a push you know, for yeah, like it's like a it's already had its theatrical time. If it hits VOD here in May and June, it'll have its two months of time then, and then all of a sudden it's August and it's kind of spent. Whereas yeah, video exactly. wouldn't hit till October, that would give you another three four months of solid video time, and that would put you right at the Oscars. But yeah, we're we're gonna we're, everything's gonna end too early. Well, that's because it's yeah, because it's in the end the business will win over that because. Yeah. They're going to be like, well, we're riding this bus. We got to release this thing uh, to make it more available. And 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 whereas I'd rather them a twenty four to me, they should just be like, screw it, let's release it in November. Like you know, like let them wait. Yeah, I don't know, like because then it you know, yeah, they might forget about it, but then you'd be like, holy shit, I remember that movie from April. The other that's tricky awesome. thing, this movie's awesome. The other tricky thing that's going to happen is it. With being $25 million and not, I think the benchmark is 21 and a half nowadays, it will not be independent spirit award eligible. And normally that is a nice big crowd that mm-hmm. is like secondary Oscar contenders or not necessarily secondary. Sometimes mm-hmm. your mainstream Oscar contenders show up there as much as they show up on the big stuff and sure. it won't have that. So it's going to lose a little bit of one crowd. And that's where I'm also thinking it's going to go the route of like the eighth grades or the uncut gems or the uh uh, what's the red rocket or things like that where it's like i mean this won't be eligible for it but like those movies were able to like at least get a consolation prize of being like heavy contenders at the independent spirit awards you know right you know you know this one it's it's in terms of award recognition it's gonna have to be oscars or bust at this point so I it's going to be a tough one. Get some Golden Globes, if Golden Globes are still existing. Um, if yeah, that's... I see. That's where Critics' Choice, I feel like, has taken over as the number two, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the big show now, which is good. I get to vote for it. Sweet. Right. Whoop, whoop. Closing <laughs> thoughts, Deus and Room. Kidding. Great closing oh, thoughts. <laughs> who goes <laughs> first? Me? You, you, you. Yes. Oh, me? I go you first. You always go first. Uh, yes. In, yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once, a kaleidoscope of chaotic characters that will warm your heart and I think is going to be definitely an Oscar contender in a number of categories and a must-see several times in the theater. Go see it. I loved it. I think it's an amazing cast, definite direction, and one of my favorite films of the year. Mm. Cosine. And Will, it's you. Yeah, I I am going to, I mean, not only for the talent involved and the appreciation I have, like I said, it's a four and a half out of five for me on Letterboxd, um, but also because of Katie's urging, I, I think I will try to seek this out again as quickly as I can. Yay. Got a three-week vacation coming up. So let's, you know, let me, uh, I, I, may I recommend it wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. I want people to see this. I want this to be a success. Um, you know do it uh so yeah i i'm, I'm down with it <laughs> all right take us home oh, Will. katie i'll tell you what katie real quick though tell us ways that we can find you and reach you on the interwebs this you know the information super highway what's your fax number something just give us something <laughs> to find you 
Well, my MySpace is, uh, no, <laughs> I'm bringing that back. No, uh, you oh, can yeah. find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the blonde in front. T H E B L O N D E I N F R O N T. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we've already confirmed you're not much of a Twitter person. So Instagram and your website are kind of the ways to go to Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Oh, Facebook, Facebook. Um, unfortunately, I believe my website has been hacked. So I'm unable to oh, no. post. Yeah. Um, I found that out not too long ago when my website decided to email me something and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. It was, so. it was probably an email from someone going, vote for uh, Army of the Dead to win the Oscar for best whatever the fuck. Oh, God. That um, embarrassing. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of us at the Cinephile Hissy Fit, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. Uh, oh, Katie, are you on Letterboxd as well? I am on Letterboxd, the blonde in front. <laughs> nice. Well, branding is good. Yeah. Um, Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop from Hawkeye would love you. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast. It is brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, the new banana meter, and have become charter members of the new independent film critics of America group. If you enjoyed this show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and interesting hosts. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. <laughs>